All the Young Dudes, a Harry Potter fan fiction, written by Ms. King Bean 89. Before we begin, please don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. If you're interested in helping to support the channel and get access to some awesome perks, consider checking out my Patreon. The link is down below in the description. Thank you, and happy listening. Chapter 19. First Year, End of Term. Remus would never tell anyone, but he really enjoyed the Hogwarts exam period. There were no lessons for a whole two weeks, and while everyone else ran around like a headless chicken, Remus felt very relaxed about the whole thing. The same could not be said for the rest of his classmates. Lily Evans had taken to ambushing other students in the library and common rooms, demanding that they quiz her on the 18th century goblin riots. Peter seemed to be constantly muttering to himself under his breath, wringing his hands together. Marlene McKinnon and Mary MacDonald, two Gryffindor first years Remus usually tried to avoid, kept bursting into fits of hysterical giggles from the nerves. James and Sirius appeared to be acting out with more bravado than ever, setting off flameless firecrackers in the corridors and performing vanishing spells on unsuspecting students' book bags in the library. Remus couldn't tell if the two of them were just responding to the general atmosphere of anxiety or whether they were expelling their own nervous energy. The older students had no sympathy for their younger counterparts. Frank Longbottom gave out more detentions during the last week of term than he had all year, and even threatened to take 50 points from Gryffindor if James and Sirius didn't stop levitating inkwells in the common room. Remus felt that they had got off easy. Bellatrix Black actually cursed half of the Slytherins one evening for talking too loudly while she studied for her newts. They couldn't speak for three days. Madam Pumphrey had to grow their tongues back. Their first exam was charms, which had Remus off to a good start. All they had to do was bewitch a coconut to dance an Irish jig, which he privately thought was very easy. He, James, and Sirius managed without a problem, though Peter's coconut at first refused to move at all, then lost control once it finally got going and ended up spinning off the desk, smashing all over the flagstones. Transfiguration went almost as well, though it was a trickier subject. Their task was to turn a stag beetle into a pepper shaker. Sirius completed this in minutes, barely concealing his pride as McGonagall commented that it was the best example of small-scale transfiguration she'd ever seen from a first year. Remus's shaker wasn't too bad, though it was still shiny and black, whereas Sirius had somehow managed to make his glass. James attempted porcelain, and seemed to have done well until McGonagall tried to shake some pepper out of it, and it spread its wings and flew out of the window, causing Marlene and Mary to shriek. Peter's pepper pot still had legs and antlers, even after an hour. Herbology and history of magic were both written exams. Remus surprised himself by writing the longest history essay in the class. He had to ask Peter, sitting next to him, for extra parchment. Apparently there was plenty to be said about the goblin riots after all. Potions was easier than he expected. They had to brew a cure for warts from memory. Having a very good memory from years of practice, Remus knew he had all of the ingredients and quantities right, even if his preparation skills were lacking precision. Between exams, Remus enjoyed his last weeks of freedom, either wandering the halls and adding to his map, when he was alone, or eating ice cream outside by the lake, when the others were with him. He'd recently found a corridor that smelled vaguely of chocolate, but couldn't work out what that meant. It was nowhere near the kitchens. The days were much warmer now, and as June opened up and the testing came to a close, 
The marauders' minds turned to mischief. It's got to be big, James said decisively. He was always making unnecessary statements like that, waiting for someone else to come up with an idea for him to approve. Our last hurrah. Not our last, Sirius replied, picking at the grass. We'll be back in two months. You lot might be, Peter worried. I know I've failed everything. James waved a hand, dismissing Peter's fears. It was too warm and lazy of a day to spend long reassuring him. They were lounging in their new favorite spot, near a tree by the lake. Peter was sitting under the shade cast by the branches because he was fair and burnt easily. James and Sirius had stripped off their robes and rolled up the sleeves of their brilliant white uniform shirts to combat the heat. Remus simply lay in the sunshine, robes still on to cover up his freshest injuries, enjoying the warmth sinking into his aching joints. He liked the spot because the whomping willow was behind them, so they didn't have to look at it. Have we got any dung bombs left? Remus asked, squinting up at the blue sky, then closing his eyes to look at the patterns burned into his retinas. Yeah, a few. Not enough for a big send-off, though. How big are you thinking, exactly? Bigger than dung bombs, James replied, cleaning his glasses, as he often did when he was thinking. Big enough so that everyone knows it was us. They'll know it's us. McGonagall always knows, Sirius put in, standing up and skimming a stone across the lake. It bounced five times. Sirius was amazing at skimming stones. He had this fluid sort of grace that was more animal than human. It drove Remus mad. After all, he was the one that wasn't strictly human, and he had all the natural grace of a flobberworm. They might think it's the Pruitts, James shot back. They've been beating us all year. Nothing beat the Pixies, Sirius said defensively. He threw another stone. This time, on its fourth bounce, a long, silvery tentacle rose from the water and batted it back towards him, lazily. Sirius grinned. And the itching powder was pretty good, you have to admit, Remus murmured, flinging an arm over his face. Exactly, Sirius continued enthusiastically. You've got to give us points for ingenuity there. And the rain cloud, Peter piped up, eager to be involved. They all fell quiet. Remus sat up. They hadn't talked about that incident at all since January. Peter gnawed his lip, realizing what he'd done. Sirius shook his head changing the subject. Anyway, the point is, the four of us have had more detentions than the rest of Gryffindor combined this year. What more do you want us to do, James? Sign our work? He pulled back his arm to throw the stone back into the lake, but James leapt up and grabbed his shoulder, causing him to drop it. Oi, Sirius frowned, annoyed. What are you playing at? That's it, James jumped excitedly. We sign our work. You what? Remus squinted at both of them. He wished he hadn't stared at the sun for so long. His eyes were fogged over and he was starting to get a headache. Sign our work, James repeated, as if he was making perfect sense and they were all too thick to get it. He sighed, impatient. We put our mark on Hogwarts, literally. Are you talking about defacing school property, Potter? Sirius arched a dark eyebrow, joy written all over his face. I might just be, Black. James wiggled his own eyebrows in return. He couldn't raise just one like Sirius could. Well, I say, old man. Sirius grinned, adopting an even more plummy, aristocratic accent than usual. What do you say, old bean? I say it's a simply ripping idea. Oh, spiffing. Good show. Rather. They both dissolved into giggles, falling on the ground and wrestling. 
Remus and Peter shared a look. This sort of thing was happening more and more. James and Sirius would get caught up in one of their own plays and leave the others behind. Remus stood and went over to sit with Peter. Any idea what they're on about? He asked the smaller boy. Peter was red in the face, his forehead creased. He was clearly thinking deeply. They want us to write our names somewhere. On the walls? He said slowly. What? Remus asked. Like, carve it into the stone or something? That's a bit permanent, in it? Sirius and James continued wrestling. James was larger and usually had the upper hand, but Sirius fought dirty. It's all I can think of, Peter shrugged. James says he wants it big. The walls are the biggest. Oh, oh, he jumped up. Lads, he squeaked. I've had an idea. Blimey, James and Sirius stopped at once. James had Sirius in a headlock, and Sirius's ankle was just inching around James's, ready to yank and topple them both. Are you feeling okay, Pettigrew? The lawn, Peter continued, pacing as he thought out loud. It's the biggest canvas, and it wouldn't have to be permanent. It could be if we used a quick-grow potion. Remus sighed deeply. Why wasn't anyone making any sense today? And so it was down to James's desire for notoriety and Peter's desperation to prove himself that all four of them found themselves back out in the grounds after dark on the last day of term. They'd had two weeks to plan it, hoarding supplies from the greenhouse and learning various color-changing incantations. In the meantime, they learnt that they had all passed their exams, even Peter. Remus had come first in History of Magic and second in Charms, to Lily Evans, which he tried not to let bother him. Ouch! That was my foot! Sorry, I can't see a thing. It's dark out, idiot. Ouch! That was my foot! Can we take the cloak off now? Yeah, I think so. They had dragged a heavy sack of hydrangea seeds all the way down from the tower. Well, Remus and Peter had. Sirius and James decided that they would lead the way. Right, James said, businesslike, hands on his hips. Did we agree to write love or from? From, Peter said. I prefer love, Sirius said. Ah, oh, of course you do, Black. James ruffled his hair playfully, causing Sirius to duck and pull a face. Love it is, then. Come on, gentlemen, to work. An hour later, the sack of seeds was empty, and Remus was following the trail the others had left, drizzling the quick-grow potion over the ground. Are we sure we spelled everything right? James scratched his head, messing up his hair even more. Too late now, Sirius replied, wiping sweat from his brow. Look, we'd better go. Sun's coming up. He pointed to the sky, which was beginning to glow pink. The color-changing spell, quick. I did it already, Remus said, finishing the last of the potion. While they were still in the bag. Good thinking, Lupin, Sirius slapped him on the shoulder. Knew you were the logical one. Since when, Remus thought to himself. Let's not go in yet, James said. Look, we can watch the sunrise. Merlin, Sirius laughed. You big poof. They did watch, though, in awe as the glowing orange sun slowly climbed over the horizon, flooding the great lake with golden sparks, then paling as it rose higher into the parchment-colored sky. Next year'll be even better, lads, James grinned his glasses reflecting the new sun as he threw an arm each around Peter and Sirius. Remus stood slightly off to the side, content just to stand with them. They headed back to the castle in a strange mood, and almost forgot to put the cloak back on. They returned to Gryffindor Tower, and James and Peter tried to sleep, 
but Remus couldn't. For one thing, Sirius had finally begun packing. He'd been putting it off for a week now, and began throwing his things carelessly and noisily into his mahogany trunk. It was embossed with a serpent, like so many of Sirius's things. For another thing, Remus didn't want to sleep. His last few hours at Hogwarts were draining away so quickly, and he didn't want to miss any of them. He sat on the windowsill and watched their prank developing in the grass below. The seeds were already taking root and growing very quickly, twisting and writhing below like something in a science fiction film. Looking good, Sirius said, coming over to look. He'd apparently finished packing, though his trunk didn't look like it would close properly. Still think it should have been was, not were, Remus said. Bad grammar, Lupin, Sirius yawned. Couldn't have lived with myself. He stretched sleepily and backed onto Remus's bed, which happened to be nearest, curling up to sleep. Remus looked at him for a while from his window ledge. With his eyes closed in the gentle dawn light, Sirius seemed softer, younger. Remus had spent the whole year in awe of him and James, how invincible they were, how daring. But they were all just kids together, really. And no matter how big their final prank was, it wouldn't stop the train coming for them tomorrow to take Remus back to St. Edmund's and Sirius back to wherever it was he lived, a house where the portraits shouted at him and his family didn't care that he had come top in transfiguration. He looked out of the window again, pressing his forehead to the cool glass and sighing deeply. It was a really good prank. They all ought to be proud. McGonagall would throw a fit. Dumbledore would probably like it. There was no need to feel so gloomy. It was only two months. Fifty feet below, the hydrangeas finally bloomed, and Remus's heart skipped a beat. The gaudy flowers flashed below in Gryffindor colors, bright crimson and glimmering gold, blaring out their wonky-lettered message. The marauders were here.